0: 313814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the virtual Bible study. And we welcome you into the virtual
1: Bible study for Thursday, January 30th, 2014. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. We want you to hear from you tonight on the program at 8773814567. Email questions at collegeview.com or if you're listening to us live tonight, The chat window to the bottom of your video feed is open for your joining in there. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Looking forward to uh, an important discussion on a really controversial Bible subject. It's going to get controversial, and that will be a good thing because uh, we need to understand the Bible alike. Uh, The Bible can be understood. And uh, we believe there is an absolute answer to issues like this, and we're going to look for that answer tonight. But there are some people who will differ, and uh, we want to hear the reasoning behind it. Yeah, we're going to talk about baptism tonight. Uh, We're talking about a very simple,
2: basic Bible doctrine. Sometimes we call these kind of things first principles. Uh, It's obviously an elementary or basic Bible subject, uh, but unfortunately there's disagreement on it. And
1: we believe it's basic because it's... Relatively simple and clear in the scriptures. Yeah, but it's also basic in the sense that we got we got to get it right. Yeah, all right.
2: Uh, uh, here we have been dancing around the subject, Jacob. the subject is, do I have to be baptized? All right, we'll t- yeah. We'll... Uh, for our for our discussion tonight, we're going to deal with a very simple question, do I have to be baptized? Is the act of baptism essential for salvation? Do I have to be baptized if I want to go to heaven? That's that's a simple question yeah. we want to ask.
1: Well we need to we need to address the elephant in the room. I mean that, that didn't come out too good, Mike. Uh Mike Mailer is here.
2: Yeah, but you know we've been calling him we've been pronouncing his last name Mailer all these years because he's a been a frequent con- contributor yes. in the chat room yes. and uh, by email. Uh, he's with us live in person. Mike Mahler. Mahler I, you know,
1: I thought I I thought it looked that Mike way Mollett. sometimes, yeah. but it, we yeah. always said Mailer and so it sort of <laughs> yeah. Mike, Mike is
2: Mike is from Orleans, Indiana, and some of you who listen to the program frequently will uh, remember his name because he often contributes. Mike, glad to have you with us tonight. Good
3: to be here tonight, and uh, it's a unique. Uh, re- experience to be on this side of the camera. Usually, yeah, I'm yeah. on the other side. So. There we go. Great to In be fact, I th- but
2: I I remember at least once in the past you skyped into our program. So, did. uh You know, you you have been seen in person before, but you are actually in in studio with us tonight. And for
3: the record, my family pronounces it both ways, so you're not uh, okay. Not 100 percent. Okay. So. Okay. Good.
2: Okay. So what is it again? One more time. Mahler. 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 I got it. Uh, All right, so uh, we're going to talk about this important subject. Do I have to be baptized? By the way, Jack is behind the board for us tonight. Jack, glad to have you with us. We'll be looking for your comments as well. Yeah, Jack. Um, To our update list earlier today, we sent out these questions. Remember, we always do that on Thursday. Try to do it about noon. Looks like this went out at 1141 today, Jacob. You're on the money. Uh, We we send out this update telling you what our topic is going to be, ask some questions, begin to seek your feedback. Uh, If you're not on our list and want to be, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Put add me to the list in the subject line. We'll do it. Two emails a week. Get an email of our updates on Thursday. You also get our electronic version of our church bulletin on Tuesdays. But we won't won't flood your inbox with anything other than those two uh, mailings each week. Okay. So to our update list today, we sent these questions. Number one, are you aware of and can you document the varied positions on the necessity of baptism that are found in some of the predominant denominations? We just want to show that there's a lot of varying positions on baptism out there. Okay. Then we're going to go to the question, do you believe that baptism is essential for salvation? Yes or no? Explain your answer. Number three, can a person be saved by faith only? Can a person be saved by praying the sinner's prayer? Number four, what can we learn about baptism from A, the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, B, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus in Acts 9, C, the conversion of Cornelius in Acts 10? And finally, for scriptural baptism, what things are essential and what things are not essential in
1: order for you to have a scriptural baptism. That's a, we got a lot of territory to cover, Jacob. Uh, we're going to have to go fast. All right. We'll look forward to your participation, though. 877-381-4567. That number is toll-free. The line is open. We'll look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. We don't want this to be a... Um you know, an, an ugly discussion. We want it to be based upon the scriptures, but we will look forward to your uh, participation. If you, especially if you disagree with us, uh, we, we yeah, we invite
2: uh, you. We invite you to tell us why you disagree, because we want we want to work through that. We want to We want to come to an agreement about a very important Bible subject. Right. So, if you disagree with us, tell us why. Yeah, Jacob, I I did a little research today, actually, uh, looking you up did. different uh, denominational positions on baptism and i just want to read some of these real quick i'm not even going to comment about them i think a lot of them are wrong but i'm not even going to comment i just want to show you just what a varied uh take that religious people take on this then we'll pull then we'll compare that to what the scriptures yeah speech. methodist church the methodist church we are accounted righteous before god only for the I, by the way these are from their websites oh their websites okay The Methodist Church says, We are accounted righteous before God only for the merit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by faith and not our own works or deservings. Wherefore, we are justified by faith only is a most wholesome doctrine and very full of comfort. In the United Methodist Church, baptism is not necessary for salvation since it is only a sign of the salvation already present. However, baptism is a requirement for church membership. We're going to okay. see that several times. It's harder to get into the Methodist church than it is to get into heaven. Oh, well. did, you, did, you, did you catch that? Yeah, that's true. So it's a
1: sign. Yeah. they said it was a sign.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm just taking
1: notes here okay, to compare okay. what they said. Okay, uh,
2: Jehovah's Witnesses, Mike, you might know some of this because you've studied extensively with Jehovah's Witnesses. Bapti- they say in their book, make sure of all things, baptism does not wash away one's sins. Ooh, doesn't wash away sins. Okay, I'm taking uh, that down. Uh, Lutheran church. Lutherans believe that the Bible teaches that a person is saved by God's grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone. The Lutheran church does not believe that baptism is absolutely necessary for salvation. The thief on the cross was saved apparently without baptism, as were all the believers in the Old Testament era. Uh, that's, well, I can't argue with that. Uh, okay. Well, I can argue that, with some that about, about the of it, Old yeah. Testament in the Old yeah. Testament. Uh, Oh, man, you know, they're just all different kinds of Baptist churches, all different kinds of Baptist churches. And I got I got just a raft of quotes from Baptist churches. Here's the Southern Baptist Church. Southern Baptists have always understood the Bible to teach that baptism is not a part of salvation, but subsequent to it. Southern Baptist churches teach that baptism is purely emblematic in nature and not essential to salvation. Uh, The Free Will Baptist Church, they ask the question, what's the purpose of baptism? Perhaps it would be better to begin by mentioning what baptism does not do. Baptism does not take away sins. Wow. Baptism is a righteous work. It's something we ought to do after we have been saved, but it isn't something we do to secure salvation. All right. Primitive Baptist Church. Primitive Baptists practice baptism by immersion, sometimes referred to as Believer's Baptism. Baptism must be performed by an ordained minister and is the ordinance by which a person becomes a member of the Primitive Baptist Church.
1: So that's how you become a member, but nothing about salvation. Right.
2: Independent Baptist Church. You should be baptized in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ as a public testimony of your salvation and then unite with the Bible-believing church without delay. Independent Fundamental Baptist Church. Be baptized. Baptism is a public profession of your decision, is an act of obedience, and identifies you with Christ. Uh Regular Baptist church. Oh, regular. We believe that Christian baptism is the single immersion of a believer in water to show forth in solemn and beautiful emblem our identification with the crucified, buried, and risen Savior through uh, through whom we died to sin and rose to a new life. Baptism is to be performed under the authority of the local church. It is a prerequisite to the privileges of church membership. Uh, Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. Uh, We believe that salvation of sinners is wholly of God's grace. The salvation of God is therefore not merely made possible, but is actually procured, procured through Christ's vicarious death for all who believe savingly in him. Baptism is a prerequisite to the privileges of the church and to the Lord's Supper. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, the Baptists just go on and on and on. But you kind of see a common thread here. Yeah, I've seen some uh, things that are repeating here. Uh, King James Version Bible Baptist. Really? King James Version oh, yes. Bible Baptist. Uh, we believe a man is uh, We believe a man is secured in his salvation eternally and unconditionally in this age at the moment he believes. We believe that believers should be immersed in water after being saved. Uh, six principal Baptist church. Baptism is not essential to salvation. It is absolutely essential to Christian obedience and to the declaration of those great truths which baptism alone symbolizes and declares. All those baptisms, Real quick. I'm weary everybody, of this real quick. United Pentecostal Church. Uh, salvation requires repentance from sin and water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and baptism in the Holy Ghost, then godly living. So the United right. Pentecostal Church says it is essential, it oh, okay. is essential to salvation. They, they, they require some more. Presbyterian Church. Uh, baptism is dipping of the person into water. Oh, no, get this. Dipping of the person into the water is not necessary. Baptism is rightly administered by pouring or sprinkling upon the person. Not only those that actually profess faith in and obedience to Christ, but also infants of one or both believing parents are to be baptized. They teach infant baptism, obviously. Episcopal Church. We typically offer holy baptism at the celebrations of Easter, Pentecost, All Saints Day, and the baptism of Christ and other liturgically appropriate times of year. Yeah. Uh uh RC. We we teach that we are justified by faith only as a most wholesome doctrine, very full of comfort, Episcopal Church. And the Catholic Church. I, I can't even pronounce some of the words in, in their statement. Uh but they also, uh when the person seeks to be baptized, the uh, you get in line, and they do it uh, at the Easter vigil. In other words, the idea of the Catholic, i got a longer statement there, but it's the idea of the Catholic says, we'll baptize you, but we're going to wait until a certain day of the year and Make under a, reservation. a certain, certain uh, uh, ceremony. Is okay. I, I, I mentioned all of those only to illustrate there is a wide variety of different positions
1: uh, out there in the denominational world on baptism. All right. I'm seeing some recurrent things. It's a, it's a sign or a symbol of what has occurred. It doesn't wash away your sins. It's not absolutely necessary, not a part of salvation. should be done, but it doesn't really matter how you do it or when you do it. It just is something that's good. What do you think, Mike? What, what would you take away
2: from all of that? I, I think the world is very confused about that. Yeah, I think that's good. You need to talk right into your mic, Mike.
3: And that, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me because something as important as salvation, you would think the guy would make that pretty clear to us. As something as important as that.
2: I think that's a very good observation. You know, this is important. It's about our eternal souls, and yet it's so confusing. I mean, that's the impression you get. It's so confusing that you really can't even figure it out, and so you come. All people come to all different conclusions. Any takeaways, Jack?
4: We just want to make sure that whatever. We determine it's God's will. It's, it's not a man's will. It's not our idea here at this particular location. It's what God says and is declared is the right answer, not what we think.
2: Right. And and so, you know, I might say, you know, I think being baptized in Jello will save my soul. So what? I mean, if, if that's just what I think, doesn't prove anything. We have got to be able to go to the scriptures, and that's what we want to do. That's interesting. It,
1: you didn't. None of those uh, statements of faith cited any scripture to back up their, their belief. No, and
2: they were. They, and those were. I mean, in all fairness, those were just clips from from broader statements. But you get the gist of it. That's all we want to do. I mean, we're just. We, I, I just wanted to illustrate, and that's why I asked the question: Are you aware of and can you document the varied positions? concerning the necessity of baptism that are found in some of the predominant denominations that's all we were looking for okay. you know
3: greg one of the one of the things that's unfortunate about that is when people from the outside when they look at people who claim to be believers and they see that we're very you know people out there are very divided on that a lot of people who haven't studied for themselves what they come to the conclusion is well that's just your interpretation of
2: things yeah because other because other people have other interpretations right yeah right. exactly i only got one uh, of our emailers who actually talked about some of the positions. He knew Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee, said. He's heard of some who've been baptized over the telephone. Some who've received certificates through the mail. Some have been baptized through the pouring of salt or the sprinkling of salt. Some have been baptized three times forward, once in the name of the Father, once in the name of the Son, once in the name of the Holy Spirit. Some have been baptized backwards, once in the name of the Holy Spirit, once in the name of the Son, once in the name of the Father. Some have been baptized by the pouring of oil or the sprinkling of oil. Some have been... Some have supposed that it doesn't really matter the method of your baptism, uh, and they use such things as rose petals. Some have been baptized by pouring, and obviously some by immersion in water. So he's talking more about the the form or the mode of
1: baptism. All right. When we get back, why don't we uh, get onto the subject of do you think baptism is essential for salvation? And it's not what you think, it's what the Scriptures teach, and we look for your answers to that. Why don't you send them in the chat room tonight. If you're not signed in, it's very easy to do. Follow the instructions at the bottom of the chat window. Let us know, do you believe that the Scriptures teach baptism is essential for salvation? Send us your verses that teach this, or if you think something different, send us your verses and your explanation. We'll look forward to hearing from you during the break. Don't
5: go anywhere. We'll continue right after this.
0: Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this.
5: Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship. But something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship in the way that He has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College of Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship of our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m.
2: We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Just ahead of the 2014 Super Bowl, a new poll by the Public Religion Research Institute finds that 50% of sports fans see some aspect of the supernatural at play in sports. 26% of respondents say they have prayed, quote, for God to help their team, unquote, while an equal number have entertained the notion that the team was, quote, cursed. 22% say that God, quote, plays a role in which team wins a sporting event, unquote. That information is via the Washington Times. The Word of God says in Isaiah 55, 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts.
0: Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back, and all I can say is those are some pretty
1: sad statistics that you have got, you had there. Yeah, people, people really convinced God cares who wins the Super yeah. Bowl. All right. Mike, Maler, Mike Mahler is, uh, uh, is uh, with us tonight from Orleans, Indiana. Mike is... Uh, joining us on the discussion, glad to have you here, Mike. And, uh, Thanks for having me here. And uh, we're talking about baptism.
2: Start us what in, we, Mike. We believe what, the scriptures
3: what, teach.
1: What,
2: what about baptism? Is it essential for salvation? How would you go about answering that? I want to
3: call this my watertight argument for baptism. Oh, watertight, okay, okay. good. Um, first of all, I'd, I'd point out several scriptures to kind of take you down a line of thought. John chapter 8, and verse 42, it says, Jesus said to them, If, if, your fa- if you were your father, if, if God were your father, you would love me. Okay. So in other words, you know Jesus says, if you're God's, God's,
2: so so if I want God, if I want to call God Father, I gotta love Jesus. You've
3: gotta love Jesus. And then if you look at the, just in John chapter eight and verse forty four, if you resist doing Jesus' commands, and Jesus says your father is the devil. He said that there. He said you are your father of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. So basically, um,
2: we, by by what we do, we show which side we're on. Right. Who, who we have allegiance with. Okay? Right. I got you.
3: And then Jesus said in John chapter fourteen and verse fifteen, He says, if you will love me. You'll keep his commandments," he says. "A very, very plain. And that's only. pretty
6: easy. So, um, and if,
3: if you really love Jesus, you're going to show that by doing what he says exactly. to do. And in John chapter 14 and verse 21, he who, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it's he who loves me. So again, that's that's an affirmation of loving so, Christ.
2: You know, this is probably not widely uh, agreed upon in the religious world, but the idea is that commandment keeping is how we demonstrate love for the Lord.
3: Right. Okay? Right. And then John chapter fourteen and verse twenty three, Jesus answered and said to him, "If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my my love my Father will love him." I can't read too <laughs> well tonight, but um, um, it, and in other words. The idea that Jesus is expressing here is that if you really love him, you're going to do what he's asked you to do. And then you can look at any other passage, Mark 16 and verse 16, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Um, obviously, Jesus commanded for us to be baptized.
2: So, so what you've demonstrated very effectively is if I love the Lord, then I'm going to be concerned about doing what he said to do. Right? Yes. All right. So with that in mind, let's, let's look at that one verse that you just mentioned, Mark 16. Verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That seems pretty straightforward. You know, uh, you've got to believe. We understand that. Everybody understands that. You're not going to do anything else if you don't believe. Belief would obviously be the first uh, prerequisite because without faith, you wouldn't pursue anything else.
3: You know, uh, Greg, one of the things that I've noticed as I've spoken with people in the world Uh, they tend to ask a question just like the question you're asking tonight. Do I have to be baptized? That's sort of a loaded question, and it's almost to take the position to say, do I really have to do what God tells me to do? That's really not the right attitude that we ought to have if we really love God and want to serve
2: him.
1: That's right. Now, now, I wasn't a rock star. But, but,
2: but again, but before we leave Mark 16, yeah, 16 I was
1: say. he that believeth and is baptized. Shall be saved. Go ahead. I wasn't a rock star in the English classroom by any means, but I do remember that the word and is a conjunction, and it <laughs> combines two things together. And uh, I see two conditions there that are required, and I think if you map that sentence out, which I hated a lot. but I could never do that mapping. Yeah, I can't do that either. But I think that both of those actions would be linked to saved, on an equal plane, wouldn't they? Yeah. You've he that believeth to... and is baptized shall be saved. Yeah. What
2: if we saw? What if we? I've, I've used this illustration lots of times. What if we saw an ad in the paper tomorrow morning and said, "He that comes to the car dealership and brings a bag of potatoes will receive a new car." Yeah. What but would he you... that doesn't come to the car dealership will not. What would you understand that you had to do to get the new car? Yeah. You'd have to go there, but that wouldn't be enough. Right. You would understand and wouldn't even begin to think otherwise. You've got to carry a bag of potatoes with you when you go to get the new car. Now, if you don't want the new car, just don't go. But if you want the new car, go there and carry a bag of potatoes. And both are necessary, and you're not going to get the new car if you don't
1: do both things. And the argument is made, well, it doesn't say he that does not believe and is not baptized will be condemned. So people make the argument, well, then what really matters there is that you believe. No one would go to the car dealership without the bag of potatoes and say, well, you didn't say if you don't come to the car dealership and don't have a bag of potatoes, you won't. Everybody, Everybody would understand. Everybody would understand. No one would take the chance. There's a free car at stake here for crying yeah. out loud. Yeah, yeah. It's just but so we're going to play games with our soul. That's it, it, very, very
3: – The way very, I'm always trying to get people to look at that verse is to see that there's two people in that verse, not one. And there's a saved person and there's a lost person. The saved person believed and was baptized. The lost person was – didn't believe
2: it Yeah, that, that verse clearly says if you want to be saved, you need to believe and be baptized. If you want to be lost, all you have to do is just not believe.
3: Well, I don't know about your Caesar experience, guys, lost. but I, I don't I don't find a lot of people who don't believe coming and asking to be baptized.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't think that's ever happened to me. Yeah, I think, I think right. you're exactly right. Okay. All right, let's 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 think of some so, – so Mike has presented a very forceful argument. If you love the Lord, you're going to do what he says. He definitely said to be baptized that you could you could really just stop right
6: there
2: but the bible has so many other verses jay have you got any others you're thinking of
1: well uh, the next one that would come to my mind would be acts chapter 2 verse 38 as we flip over a few pages in our bible uh then peter said to them repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy ghost now No one would disagree with the idea that we have to repent for the remission of sins. Everyone uh, would say that that's a requirement. You can't continue living like you lived before you learned about Christ and uh, expect to be pleasing to God. So everyone would say you've got to repent. Luke 13, verse 3 would teach that. But there's another conjunction there, the same one we saw before, and it says that we have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Both of these things are for the remission of sins.
2: Yeah, I think that's so interesting, you know, that, that... Everybody agrees you have to repent, but if you agree that you have to repent in order to have the remission of sins, that verse links also with repentance, baptism for the remission of sins. If repentance is necessary for the remission of sins, baptism is essential for the remission of sins. It's, and it, again, that, you don't have to be a great grammar student to understand that. That's just common sense conversation. That's the way we use language. Words mean things. All right. Well. Um, yeah, Jack. You know,
4: baptism is something that you don't really have to do until sometime later. Then, then if you look at this verse, then you'd have to say the same for repentance. You really don't have okay. to do it. Okay. Like,
2: okay. What you're pointing out there is what we. Several of those denominational sources that we cited said you should be baptized and you and we'll do that sometime later. We'll schedule a special ceremony for the baptisms of all who desire it later on. Well, I want to be saved. Should should I should I postpone my repentance? And, we're going let's, to have a repentance on Easter. Let's say that I've been uh, a thief. I've been a. a i have been mean, that's I do it a lot. I, I steal a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I, I've decided I want to be saved, so I have to repent and be baptized. They're going to baptize me in when Easter rolls around. That's a couple months from now. Easter's a couple months from now, and my baptism will be on Easter. Can I wait to repent until Easter? Can I? Can I keep stealing stuff until Easter? because I'm saved and, right. and we're going to the other... repentance on yeah. Easter. Yeah, uh, nobody would say that. Nobody, really. I think that's a great point, Jack. Nobody would say that.
3: Not only that, but it violates so many of the biblical uh, biblical examples that we see. Cornelius baptized, you know, right away. Uh, Saul, you know, when he was the, baptized the, immediately. Uh, uh, the,
2: the great the, one is the
3: Philippian jailer in
2: Acts 16, uh, baptized in the same hour of the night, and the context proves that was sometime after midnight. They they went to the trouble to baptize this man sometime after midnight in what we would refer to as the wee small hours of the morning. He was why if right. it wasn't necessary, why and not? Really wait? put
3: himself at risk because it was it really wasn't right for him to take those prisoners, he took prisoners out, of prison. out
2: of jail in order to accomplish it. Could have, could have risked his life mm-hmm. in fact to do that.
1: Now back to the people who said several people the Methodists said it was a sign. The Baptists I think said it was part of a sign or a symbol of what has happened in your heart. Acts chapter two verse thirty eight doesn't indicate that it is it says it is for the remission of sins it doesn't say it is because you've already been saved it says it is for the remission of sins repent and be baptized for the remission of sins uh seems to be a contradiction with some of these statements of faith that you mentioned earlier
2: uh the free will baptist I, i didn't read this earlier but uh uh they tried to deal with Acts 2.38. Okay,
4: let's
1: see what it says.
2: They said, sometimes the language of Acts 2.38 confuses people on this matter. Note the words, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. The word for in Acts 2.38 in the original language is the word ice, uh-huh. and it means because. Right. Well, it also means unto. and so. But they want to lock on the meaning because. Peter is not teaching that you should be baptized to remit sins, but rather because your sins have been remitted, you ought to be baptized. In other words, be baptized because your sins have been forgiven. Yes. The command to but then they say, but the command to repent precedes the command to be baptized. Repentance brings salvation. Well, they're being Oh, they're that, missing that, that conjunction again. That's right. If if baptism is because you are saved, then repentance is also because you are saved. Those words are linked. Yep. And if, if the word ice means because of in Acts 2.38, it means you repent because you've already been saved. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, here's the example. Let's look at a practical illustration from everyday life. Close the window. It's cold outside. That would not mean that closing the window makes it cold outside, but because it's already cold outside, someone has given the order to close that's, the window. That's
1: not even the same construction as what we had in Acts
2: When Peter said be baptized for remission of sins, he was saying you need to be baptized because your sins are remitted already.
3: I think they would have said that better if they would have said be baptized for it is cold outside. The argument would be true that sometimes the word for can be used in 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 the sense of because of. The problem is is that they have the evidence of all the scholars against them. I have in front of me, I'd be happy to share with anybody, 28 different versions. I'd look up more if I could find them, but I looked up every version, even obscure versions, in all the translations of the Bible. And if the word means because of, in other words, because your sins have already been forgiven, I would like to see one reputable version of the Bible that says that, but it all, every one of them says something to the effect, uh, repent and be baptized for the for remission of sins. Unto, in order yeah. to obtain. Right. This would be a parallel to saying uh, go to the doctor and receive chemotherapy for the remission of your cancer. Do you have to get the 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 chemotherapy
2: in order to get it? Or do you get it because your cancer is already remitted? No, you get it in order to.
3: It's just amazing to me. I I saw a debate one time uh, with a with a Baptist preacher, and he was debating this idea with another person, and and uh, he showed that there were thirty different definitions of the word ice, but he argued that that meant because they, they have already been forgiven. Because of. And I thought, well, how can you arbitrarily choose out of 30 different definitions that you have supposedly found? I don't know if that's true or not. But how could you say <laughs> out but of that, all those definitions, just because this one fits my doctrine, that's but, the one we're going to choose. But
2: the big problem that anybody who argues that way has is that they also have to then argue that repentance also comes subsequent to salvation. That's true. And, and they don't teach that. Mm-hmm. But cons- to be consistent, they'd have to accept that as a, a, a condition of their understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, just a real quick side point. Jacob, we're taking way too long here. But as a quick side point, that exact same phrase is found in Matthew twenty-six twenty-eight. That's right. Where Jesus was instituting the Lord's Supper. And when he gave them the cup to drink, he said, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, that's the exact identical phrase in the English that we find in Acts two thirty-eight. It also happens to be the exact identical phrase in the Greek. Did Jesus shed His sin because sins had? Did Jesus shed His blood because sins had already been forgiven? I sure hope not. He, no, He shed His blood in order that sins could be forgiven, yeah. and that's the same thing we've got in Acts two thirty-eight. We're baptized in order to have. The remission
1: of sins. The problem is, if you explain away Acts chapter 2, verse 38, you still have plenty other verses to deal with, and we'll talk about some more of those on the other side of the break. All right, we're going to have to hurry. We'll get a bullet point. We'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
0: Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages.
2: This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. For a long time we've used this verse and others in the Bible to emphasize that no evil deed is missed by God. He sees, he knows, you should not think that you can act in violation of his law without being observed and noticed. Hebrews 4, verse 13 says, All things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. But this verse from Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, again it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. That states another truth that we often ignore. It promises that God is watching what we do that is good, too. He perceives every good deed, every noble effort, and each act of faithful service. Do we believe that? Maybe not. Instead, we often feel compelled to boast of everything we do. We have to tell others and explain all the details. We're tempted to brag about our level of knowledge or special skills. Jesus dealt with this problem in his famous Sermon on the Mount. He warned that if we do what we do to, quote, be seen of men, then we have our reward. And we can expect, quote, no reward from your Father which is in heaven. That's Matthew 6, beginning verse 1. The attitude that we need is this, quote, When ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Luke 17, verse 10. So, Christian, don't feel that you need to point out all your good deeds. God knows and will reward you. Quote, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. That's this week's bullet point.
6: Think about it. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century. There it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten. There it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty. There it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned. There it stands. Emperors decree its extermination. There it stands. Atheists rail against it. There it stands. Agnostics smile cynically. There it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it. There it stands. Unbelief abandons it. There it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands modernism tries to explain it away there it stands
0: broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world the virtual bible study
1: take it away Guy. we're back on the program tonight discussing baptism and asking do i have to be baptized We look forward to hearing from you at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven on the phone tonight we we'll remind you this program is brought to you by the college of church of christ in columbia tennessee find out more about us by visiting our website the virtual dot com and we'd encourage you to come and worship with us at the College View Church of Christ. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, find out more about our meeting place and our times of meeting at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. dot com.
2: Jack, you you brought up something during the break that we probably should come about. A lot of people say, "Well, if you say you have to be baptized, then that that's a work," and you're and you're saying that we we earn our salvation by doing this work of baptism. How how would we respond to that? You know, I think that's a legitimate concern people have.
4: It is, and um, I try to approach it from, of course, Scripture all the time. And I look at, for me, at Hebrews chapter 11. When I look at Hebrews chapter 11, I give many examples there. For example, Abel, and by faith he offered, and the result was righteousness. Enoch, what did he do by faith? He walked, and what was the result? He was translated. Noah, what did he do? By faith, he prepared the ark. And what happened? His house was saved. Abraham, what did he do by faith? He obeyed, and he was at the heavenly city. And Jericho, they by faith encompassed about the city, and what happened? The walls fell. These people simply believed and acted as God directed them, and that's all we're doing.
2: That's they, all we're saying. Faith, saving faith, has always in all those Old Testament examples you just cited from Hebrews 11, saving faith—the kind of faith that pleases God—has always motivated people to do what God said. You know, it's exactly. not that they were earning. You know, the, the 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 example of Jericho is a classic one. They marched around the city. Uh, once each time for six days, and on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. Thirteen, 13 laps around the city of Jericho and the walls fell down. Did that? Did their activity do it? I mean, in other words, did somehow their tramping of feet around the walls of the city weaken the foundation of the wall and it fell down? No. It fell down because they obediently be- uh, believed and obeyed what God said to do. Amen. Uh, they put their faith into action, and they responded to God's instructions. And that's all
1: that we're saying.
2: You know, a, a, first,
1: yeah. a Go ahead, Jacob. Uh, well, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. There's a verse that says, or as they're getting ready to march around the walls of Jericho, that God says, I've given you the city.
5: Yeah. So, yeah Greg, they didn't I, earn
1: it by marching around, yeah. but they had to be obedient. And yeah. so, and uh, Okay. What I, what what I, I went, wanted to ask
3: you is, is, why did the walls fall down then? How did, how did the walls fall down? That was God, right? God
6: did it, yeah. And,
3: and I would say that that was a work that God did based upon their obedience. Yeah. And I would say the baptism is very much like that in the sense. Right. I like to pull people to Colossians chapter two, and I like to take a look at a parallel with the Old Testament in Colossians chapter two, verses verses eleven and twelve. It's comparing something Old Testament with to new. It says, "In Him you were also circumcised with the un, with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the of of the sins of the flesh." circumcision of christ now notice verse 12 buried with him in baptism in which you are also raised with him through faith notice this in the working of god who raised him from the dead so i would agree that baptism is a work but what saves me is not my work it's the work that god does in, through baptism.
2: All right, very because good. Because of my
3: obedient faith.
2: A verse that often comes up is, is Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, I think the kind of works that are not involved in our salvation are works by which we could boast. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not earning my salvation. You know, I have nothing to brag about because I've been baptized. I have not earned my salvation. And so it's not by the kind of works that I could boast about or brag about. That's not the kind of works under consideration. But when we do works of obedience, what about that example we used earlier? Come to the car dealership and bring a bag of potatoes and get a new car. If you did that, if you carried a bag of potatoes there and actually did the physical effort to arrive there with a bag of potatoes in your hand, have you earned that new car? No. You haven't earned anything, but you you met the conditions that were required in order to to qualify, but you certainly didn't earn it. And in the same fashion, when we were baptized, we're not earning it's, our salvation. It's not a work that we can boast. Not of. to mention the fact that it's a passive
1: act on our part. So exactly it right.
2: doesn't seem to line Greg,
3: up. Greg, one of the things that always makes me laugh or smile a little bit when people bring up Ephesians two eight and nine, they fail to read ten along with that, which is is a, a verse that says, "For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works." Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that the works save us, but it's just strange. The, the, the
2: idea of works has Any, such a negative connotation for some reason to some people. You use the word works, and it's an immediate turnoff. But the Bible uses the word "works"
1: in a favorable right, way. Right, right. All right, let us know your thoughts. Uh, sign in the chat room. Tonight.
2: We, we, got a, we got right a we got a couple there. of emailers. Uh, we haven't heard from Chris in the UK in a while, Jacob, and he yeah. sent us a long email. I won't have time to read it all. He disagrees with us on this subject, um, and so he he has sent some thoughts. And I, again, I won't be able. I mean, it's I got six pages typed out here. Uh, a lot of it quotes that he's clipped in from other sources. But it, it, he makes an interesting analogy. He says, I want to put forth an analogy. He says, what is marriage? Is an expression of love between two people in the presence of witnesses. Christianity is a personal relationship between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. But is marriage anything else? What is real love without the vows that protect love and make it a permanent commitment in the sight of God and others? So it is with being a Christian. It has a personal side, but it also has a ceremonial side. Baptism is that ceremony. Followed by church membership. It can't create love, but it can make it public and responsible. Uh, baptism takes our personal faith and makes it an objective experience. It announces to everyone that we have pledged a new allegiance and we have taken our stand. Now, that's that's an interesting analogy, but I think it's a flawed analogy. Uh, here's, here's a boy and a girl, and they are in love. Are they married yet? The love exists, but they're not married until... The marriage takes place until the ceremony is performed, until they fulfill the requirements of the the marriage law. Well, what about us? We have faith in Jesus Christ, but we're not saved until we fulfill the requirements of salvation, which include baptism. So I think his analogy actually proves something different than he wanted to prove. A boy and a girl are in love, but they're not married until they're married.
1: I think it's a here's good a man
2: who believes in Jesus Christ, but right. he's not saved until he's met the condition of salvation, which is uh, in, which includes
1: is not exclusively, but which, which includes baptism. Right. Thank you, Chris, for your uh, comments tonight. Uh, appreciate uh, you for chi- chiming in and we'll have to look at your comments more thoroughly. Uh, When we have some time after the program, Uh, Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan, I believe Randy is in the chat room tonight and uh, hope he's staying warm up there. He references uh, Mark 16, verse 16, as we mentioned before, he believes in his baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Acts 238, which we commented on. He also references uh, Acts chapter nine and uh, the conversion of Paul. We need to talk. We're going to talk that. about that in a minute. Yeah. Acts 22 verse 16. Want to get into that uh, account of uh, Saul? We got, no, we're going to do that later. But all right, let's talk about. Uh, let's talk. Wade has sent in an email. He says yes, uh, it is important, essential for salvation. Baptism is a command of our Lord Jesus Christ. We call ourselves Christian, therefore we say we are servants and followers of our masters. He said in John 3 uh, 35 and 36 who believes in the Son of uh, has eternal life but he who does not obey the Son will not see life but the wrath of God abides in him. So he says that we have to obey uh, Christ's commands. One of those commands would include baptism Mark 16, verse 15 and 16.
2: Okay. All right. Let's go quickly, Jacob, to, the, to um, question three. Can a person be saved by faith only? I mean if I don't believe in baptism, Mike, that's effectively what I'm arguing. In other mm-hmm. words I'm, and, and a lot of the Denominational sources we cited earlier suggest you're saved when you believe. It's a most
1: wholesome and comforting. Salvation
2: doctrine. by faith only is a most wholesome doctrine. What was that in the method? Here's one of them that quotes that. I think was, wasn't that a quotation by Martin Luther originally? I think it, might have I think it might have uh, We are counted righteous before God only for the merit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by faith, not of our own works or deservings. Wherefore that we are justified by faith only is a most wholesome doctrine and very full of comfort. Yes. What about that, Mike?
3: Well, I would have to say that look at every example in the Bible that you can find, and I would challenge anybody, and, and I'll, I'll be you know objective about this, but I would re- just challenge you to look at your Bible, look at all of the examples that you can find, and my argument would be that a saving faith is an obedient faith. Find me an example of a saving faith in the Bible that is not an obedient faith. I think Jack brought that out earlier in Hebrews chapter 10. Um, if, if we're saved, it's, it's, it's because our belief it's sort of this bizarre argument that we try to make, I think, sometimes to try to separate uh, belief from baptism or belief from obedience. Uh, the two are conjoined together. You know, if we believe, we'll obviously accept the Lord's words, and we're going to act upon that belief. So.
2: All right. I think you're exactly right. Rick in the chat room mentions James chapter 2. And, that's, of course, that's a great place to go if you want to talk about faith only. He says, in the discussion in James 2 concerning justification by faith, the discussion begins in four, verse 14 with a question. A man has faith alone. And the question is, can faith or that faith save him? And the rest of the chapter gives a very plain answer, no. Faith without works cannot save. Faith without works is dead, James two twenty four, 24. And uh, so he says, as far as salvation is concerned, faith without works is dead. He says, no, you can't be saved by faith. Only I wouldn't. If I had to pick one place in the scriptures to go to, I'd go to James two to prove that. I think Rick is exactly right. That's that passage is so clear on that that the people who deny the necessity of works of obedience have had to argue it, that that book of James got into our New Testament by accident. Yeah, you know it really doesn't deserve to be there. Uh, Martin Luther said that the that book of James was a right strawy epistle and his point was you know the rest of the new testament is silver and gold but james is straw you know it, it doesn't it doesn't measure up to the standard that was his argument well i guess that's what you'd have to do if you if you wanted to deny the necessity of obedient faith you'd have to just discount the book of james because it's just too clear there
1: all right we need to hurry and go along let's talk about the salvation by saying the sinner's prayer and then we'll need to take a break very plainly where in the Bible do you see anyone that is told to say a prayer in order to be saved? You hear it so often, Mike, you would think that you ought to be able to find it in many places in the Bible. In fact, you ought to be able to find it sort of like uh, the model prayer that Jesus gives. There ought to be a place somewhere in the scriptures where you can read, Lord, I accept you as my personal Savior, blah, blah, blah. You can't see anything that comes anywhere near that.
3: I should think with uh, as many examples, I don't know, 11 or so, something like that in In the book of Acts alone, which is sometimes referred to as the book of conversions, that we would find at least one example where someone was saved. Maybe even an allusion to uh,
1: some
2: type of prayer, but nothing. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because we do want to talk about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. But I think the conversion of Saul of Tarsus proves that praying can't save you. He saw the Lord on the road to Damascus. He was struck blind. He was led into the city of Damascus. And it says he was three days without sight, neither did eat or drink. The Lord appeared to a man named Anas, Ananias and said, Arise, verse of this is Acts 9, verse 11, Arise, go to the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. So he had seen the Lord, therefore believed, and he was for three days fasting and praying. What did Ananias say to him when he got there? Acts 22, 16, Now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. He still Call had them. sins that need to he, be washed away. What still in the sin. world
3: are you waiting for?
2: Yeah. get up yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry i mean uh, the uh, saul of tarsus is the classic case to prove that the sinner's prayer is not in the bible and no one was ever taught to pray for salvation and no, i would right. also
3: say if, if saul was saved at the point on the road to damascus saul has to be the most miserable saved person i've ever oh, seen oh
2: exactly exactly <laughs> by the way uh, here on the quotes from the free will baptist church they encourage you pray something like this lord jesus i know i'm a sinner but I also believe you died for my sin, and through faith in your death and resurrection, I can be forgiven. I confess my sin and ask you to become my Savior and Lord from this day forward. Thank
1: you for saving me. Amen.
2: That's their version of the sinner's prayer.
1: They're actually teaching people to pray that Something prayer. Something like that. Yeah. What, what, how do you determine what it should be like? Where does that uh, that come from? Well, you'd
2: have to make that up, and therefore it would be obviously open to a lot of uh, subjectivism because it's, you can't find it in the Scripture.
3: You know, Jacob, there's an interesting passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, comparing that, the baptism uh, to the days of Noah. Ironically, Noah himself was saved through water. And that's exactly what it's talking about. It says, Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine longsuffering awaited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water. And it says there's also an antitype, which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God the resurrection of jesus christ and so it says there that there is something exactly like that an anti-type which now saves us and it says that, that is baptism uh, where it says baptism saves us i think you have to have help to misunderstand a passage like
1: that that's exactly right we need to take a break we'll get back we'll have about two minutes per point i'm going to be the timekeeper you guys are going to get your best shot at and give it about <laughs> 60 seconds apiece uh we'll do, go fast on the other side of the break don't go anywhere the virtual bible study continues
0: right after this after these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break.
3: I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight, or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567.
2: Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Men are often more limited by attitude than by opportunities. When you choose to be pleasant and positive in the way you treat others, you have also chosen, in most cases, how you are going to be treated by them. Words are plentiful. Deeds are precious. People usually pay little attention to what you say, but they definitely watch what you do. Man, wish I'd said that
0: missed a recent virtual bible study program listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website now back to the virtual bible study we're back
1: on the program i'm going to go fast but uh, jack during the pro- break we were talking and uh, we need to reiterate that uh, we're not trying to, we don't have any uh, hidden agenda here we're just trying to look at the scriptures what it says and trying to be honest with what the scriptures teach uh, and we see very clearly that the, te- the scriptures teach that uh, we need to be baptized in order to be saved and so we're looking at that, and, and a few more passages we want to look at first. Uh, first, we want to look at the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. Dad, Acts chapter 8, tell yeah. us some things we learned about baptism Okay, real quick, there.
2: we're not going to have time to read the text, but
1: in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 8, eight. With,
2: the, with the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, he was, he was obviously a seeker. He was studying the Bible as he was riding along in his chariot. Philip met up with him and taught him about Jesus. So to be baptized scripturally, you have to be taught first. You have to understand what you're taught. You have to understand and accept the truth about jesus then he was baptized and he was baptized immediately without delay he stopped interrupted his trip in order to go through the inconvenience of being baptized by immersion in acts chapter eight baptism is clearly by immersion in that episode and it was uh, if it wasn't necessary for his salvation why didn't philip tell him later when you get home after this long trip when you're rested up be baptized They stopped the trip right then and baptized him on the spot.
1: You got thirty seconds if you want to add anything, Mike.
3: Uh, I I think you're done. All right, let's go. And
1: you get number, you get letter B. The conversion of Saul of Tarsus in Acts nine. What do you learn?
3: Well, in Acts chapter nine, I think I think the key to that really is to go back and look at uh, what what when Paul's recounting his conversion. A lot of people say that he was saved on the road to Damascus. I don't see any evidence of that in Acts chapter nine. In fact, uh, later on in Acts chapter twenty-two, when he's recalling his his conversion. Uh, as we said earlier, you know when Ananias was sent to go and speak to Saul of Tarsus, he came to Saul and he says, why, why, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. That's the same type of language that we find in Acts chapter two and verse thirty-eight. So that tells me what baptism does for me. It's the point where Romans 6 tells me that right. where I meet the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the blood of Christ is what washes away my sins, not some water in a baptistry or a river or pond somewhere. Right. But those that's what I'm required to do. All right.
1: Dad, 30 seconds. Um, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, I like the passage you reference in Romans chapter six. We don't have time to get into that, but uh, we don't. We don't. We're not walking a new life in Christ until we have been raised from the waters of baptism. That's what Romans chapter six tells us. That's right. You die to sin. You bury
2: a dead man. You rise. You raise. You raise, you raise a man from the grave. He's right. he's born again. A
1: new birth. Not until not until baptism.
2: You're, yeah, raised okay. with
1: Christ. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, letter C. The conversion of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10.
2: I think the main thing we want to take away from Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 is he's a really good man. Uh, 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 the description of him as a moral man in Acts chapter 10, verse 2, he, you can't hardly find a better description of anybody in the Scripture. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house and gave much alms to the people. And he prayed to God always, but he wasn't saved. He was told to send for Simon Peter, verse 6 of Acts 10, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do, that's the King James Version, the, the gist of that is he'll tell you what you must do. And it, and when Peter came, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, Acts 10, verse 48. Uh, so he, he was a good man, but he wasn't saved by his moral goodness. He had to be baptized to be saved.
1: All right. Uh, excellent points. Uh, quickly, uh, Wade in Hampshire has responded. What does he learn from the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8? First, he told him, that the only way he could be baptized was to believe with all his heart. He had to go down in the water. That means re- it required quite a bit of water for him to be baptized. He was baptized Im- immediately. From the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, he was baptized immediately. The conversion of Cornelius, Wade says, uh, even in this account, they had already received gifts from the Holy Spirit, but Peter told them they needed, still need to be baptized. So, again, they were baptized immediately. And Randy from Randy. North Creek, Michigan.
2: Yeah. Uh, he's he, uh, concerning... Philip the, and he, the eunuch. He, he, Philip the Preach Jesus the eunuch. Doing so, the eunuch learned that one must confess Jesus to be the Son of God and be baptized. When one preaches Jesus, they will teach that Jesus is the Son of God and the need for being baptized. Concerning Saul of Tarsus, Randy says, uh, "By the time that Saul believed that Jesus was Son of God, he was baptized as the Ethiopian was. That's true. Uh, in Acts ten, we have the rec- uh, we have the record of the first Gentiles to obey the good news. Uh, from that time forth, the door has been opened to all of mankind to be saved." Uh, again, if you read the whole chapter, you'll see that Peter preached Jesus, Cornelius, and those with him believed and were baptized. In the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, Saul and Cornelius all believed Jesus to be the Son of God and were baptized for the remission of their sins. All right.
1: All right. Well, all right. you guys did good on that part. Let's well, yeah, we could t- we do effectively oh, yeah. a whole
2: program on, on every one we of We have not cases. done
1: them all justice, but yeah. you've at least hit the high points, and I appreciate you for that. Now let's go on to number five, two last things you wanted to talk about. What,
2: what, what are the things about baptism? What things about baptism are, let, let's do it in reverse order. What things don't matter, Mike? What would you say are things that are not essential in regards to baptism?
3: Well, the location. You know, I don't think it matters whether you're in a baptistry or, uh, you know, some people have argued, well, it has to be moving water or something. I think it's just water.
2: Well, know? We, know that, we know that they did baptize in, like, the Jordan River. John, in, practicing his baptism before the Gospel age, John baptized in the Jordan River so there's a flowing but you got to believe that the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized in probably a pool of water in some kind of an oasis mm-hmm. in the in the Gaza desert uh so I don't think it you know we don't we don't have any indication of the the type of place where you have to be baptized the location
3: I, I think when, one of your quotes said that it had to be an ordained minister.
2: Yes, one of the denominational sources said you had to be baptized by an ordained minister in that denomination.
3: Can you that, find me an ordained minister in the Bible? I don't think so. And I, I do not find that, that
2: denomination in the Bible. But the thing of it is, I don't think that the, the New Testament specifies any qualification of the baptizer. True. And, because, because if it was so, well, let's say that I had to be an ordained minister to baptize you, Mike. But I, 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 I actually lied about it. I have not been ordained. I told you I was, but I haven't been. And so I baptized you, and you didn't even know.
3: What if you didn't truly per- repent of your sins, and, and you really aren't even a Christian?
2: I may not even You're not be. even a believer. That's right. Secretly you're an atheist. Now you're lost because I was unqualified to baptize you. Right. That doesn't even make sense. That puts me in a bad position. It does, that doesn't make any sense. All right. Uh, so I think place, administrator, also words spoken. And I don't think the New Testament specifies any formula of words that has to be said over a person in order for the baptism to be scriptural.
1: Well, And that is true. And that's a misunderstanding of what uh, it says in Matthew chapter 28. Right. Uh, go through teaching and them, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. doesn't mean you have to say the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It means you need to have the authority. By their authority. That's right. Okay. And, okay so that's those things are not necessary. What things are necessary?
2: Knowledge. You've got to know what you're doing. Romans 6.17 says we must obey from the heart, that form of doctrine which has been delivered to us. You can't obey from the heart what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say you have to have the right motive. We talked earlier about Acts 2.38. Baptism is for the remission of sins. You need to be doing it in order to obtain the remission of sins. That must be why you're doing it. You know, I, I shouldn't be doing it because my girlfriend wants me to be baptized. And, if that, and I think I'll make points with her parents if I get baptized. Completely impure motive, and wouldn't be effective to salvation. Mm-hmm. You got to, ha- Mike. I like to call them prerequisites. What what things would go before scriptural baptism?
3: I would say the method. Oh, I'm sorry, before For, baptism. Uh, oh Well, you would have to believe. Believe. Uh, you would have to repent because you can't repent if you don't repent of your sins. Your sins are not going to be washed away, and you would have to confess
1: verbally. Confess Jesus as Lord. Yeah, Uh, and we see all of those uh, being uh, prerequisites in the book of Acts and those conversions that we've referenced. And then uh, you almost got ahead of me. You you talked about mode of baptism. Yeah, the mode of
3: baptism. I think every time we see that we can prove how they were baptized, we also see that uh, the mode of baptism was full submersion. The Ethiopian eunuch is probably the clearest one that I can think of. To see. um, But the word itself,
2: the word itself means to immerse.
3: It's a transliterated word, and and the word literally means to dip or to plunge. You know,
2: all these denominational sources that we cited earlier, scholars from each one of those denominations would not argue that the baptism that we read about in the New Testament was by immersion.
3: It's it's unfortunate because if it was just translated immerse, I don't think we'd have any debate over it. But –
2: well, let's, let's get you go. up
3: there. There, there we go. Yeah.
4: Don't they, even today, if I'm not mistaken, the Greek Orthodox Church, the people who would know the Greek, immerse. They don't yeah. sprinkle. They and
2: and it's, not a, it's not a point of argument. It's what the word means. And Amen. no nobody would even argue it. They just believe that it doesn't matter. But I, I wonder how you could say that doesn't matter. You know, I, I agree. You know, they would say, I agree. In the In the first century, Christians were baptized by full immersion. But I don't think that matters. How can you say that? How can you decide what matters and what doesn't?
1: Yeah, yeah. Once you start that uh, slope, down that slope, you've got uh, no ground to stand on. All right, you guys made the cut. You did it. Appreciate uh, your prompt and uh, brief answers. So uh, that's good. We're, we're we didn't done. get to we're we didn't
2: get to some of our emailers, and we're sorry we didn't get to include all of that. But uh, we we were in a hurry to cover all of that subject, and hope yes. that we did. I would say this, Jacob. Anybody who's listening, either live or in archive form. If you disagree, contact us. Let's talk about it. If you, if you, maybe this is something you haven't really investigated before. If, if you're in that situation, contact us. We'd love to study with you. And I, I so,
3: think I think I speak for all of us. We're willing to be corrected if we're wrong. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Right. You know, the one thought that I'd leave with our listeners tonight, as we close out, I'd, I'd like to just if they if they're still on the fence or struggling with whether or not obedience to God, including baptism, is necessary, I'd like them to think about Hebrews chapter five and verse nine. Where it talks about how, how having been perfected, it's talking about Jesus, that he became the author of eternal salvation. Who does he save? To all who obey
2: him. Not to all you, who believe in him, right. but to all who obey him.
3: I have to obey Christ if I expect to be saved.
2: Very good. Very right. good. Good point. You're not earning it. Not earning it. But you've got to it. I don't
3: deserve it. it, so I I couldn't possibly earn it if oh, I wanted to.
1: Okay. All right. Well, Mike, uh, thanks for being here with us tonight. Man, it it's is better, such a blessing to be here. better to be here in person than on the phone for us. I don't yeah, know about you. Yeah.
3: I'm going to be riding on this for days.
2: Yeah.
1: Mike is Mike is soon to move to preach in Sioux
2: City, Iowa. And so we, we bid you Godspeed, Mike, and hope all goes well. Pray uh, for the brethren there.
1: Yeah. yeah, No, well, we pray for you too. Yeah, God, bless you. God bless you for doing that. Well, I appreciate you. that um, and, and hope that all goes well. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here, to Mike. Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Jack, thank you for being behind the controls and helping us out tonight. And thank you for listening. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.